Hello, and a joyous welcome to This Woman's Work, a space where you can hear and read about some amazing women, the fantastic jobs they do, and the paths that have led them to where they are today. I'm here today with Laura. Hi, Laura. Hello. Could you tell the listener what it is you do for a living? I'm a driving instructor. Woohoo! <laughs> and how long have you been a driving instructor for? I've been a driving instructor for 17, coming up to 17 years now. Wow, okay, so a long time. time. A long time, <laughs> yeah. And were you doing anything before being a driving instructor? Um, only slightly. I, was, I trained to be a, t- a teacher, a primary school teacher. Yes, okay. Um, so I did my PGCE and then I didn't actually go any further after that. Um, yeah, I think I was probably slightly naively going into that aspect of things. And I thought that um, I'd be in some idyllic little village school and there'd be 10 people in a classroom. And the children would be really well behaved. Yeah, there'd be no behavioural issues at all. Yeah. And it would just be Parents not, not be easy. Amazing. But, yeah. mm-hmm. I always remember going on holiday and having this little school in this village we used to go to. And it was like a little church school. I used to walk past it and be like, I could teach in there. And I had this image in my head. And then, of course, when I did my training, and training itself was good, my placements. Yeah. Um, I was in sort of inner city schools, which is fine, but yeah. it was quite an eye-opener. Um, and I still enjoyed the teaching aspect of things, but I think the managing behaviour and um, all the different learning sort of needs and difficulties. Yeah. And some of the schools had no funding, no TAs, and I was responsible for 35 children. And I thought, this isn't quite what I thought it's going to be. Yeah. I still wanted to have something to do with teaching, but I thought not uh, that. Interesting. Mm. Okay, so what brought you to... Did you do anything else in between that and... I did a little bit of retail for a couple of years. I worked in some shops. So I, sort of, I came out of the PGCE and I thought I was a bit lost for a bit because that's yeah. kind of what I had my heart set on. Um, and I thought, well, so what do I do now? You know, I, don't, I still want to do something with teaching, but where do I go with it? So I just worked in retail for a couple of years earn some money yeah um and then I just looked to newspaper one day and there's a when they used to put all the um the job adverts in the back of the newspaper oh, and I retro, retro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um and I saw an advert for become a driving instructor and I thought oh okay and um it just kind of appealed to me really um because I thought I was quite had a good relationship with my driving instructor yeah enjoyed learning to drive obviously like driving love driving yeah I was one of those kind of people I think when I passed my test I was so proud of myself and I just I passed first time and I was so pleased myself yeah um, some of my friends used to kind of take the mick at me because I always drove as I'd been taught. I never really got any bad habits. Okay. <laughs> and they were like, oh, you're still driving with your hands at 10 to 2 and you're still sticking to your good habits. And I was like, well, yeah, why shouldn't I? Why yeah, shouldn't I still keep yeah, driving you've like that? you've got to drive how, yeah. gosh, you have to drive how you're comfortable, don't you? Yeah, and I just carried on doing it. And I think I'd kind of kept a, quite a, a good standard of driving. And then I'd enjoyed learning to drive and I thought, this could be good because it's one-on-one. Yeah. It doesn't give me a whole classroom full of people to deal with at one time. Yes. You can get people's learning styles more. You can adapt them more. You can get their personality a bit more. They probably feel more freely open to talk to you and ask you questions. Whereas yeah. in a classroom full, you know, sometimes some kids got, you know, they get sort of missed a bit, don't they? Because other ones are louder, etc. Yeah. And it just appealed to me. I thought this is kind of probably what I need to do. Yeah, so I went for a little interview with them. They took me on a little drive just to see if my standard was good enough for them to kind of train me further. Right. Um, and I signed up with them. You had to pay like a fee to sign up with them. Yeah. Signed up with them. And then you had to go through three different testing procedures, basically, and then be trained for each test that right. you went through. A lot of people don't know that. I think they no. think you just kind of become an instructor You almost. go, yes, I want to be an instructor. Here's a bit yeah, of paper. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, so I went, you can kind of do it in your own pace. I was working alongside, so I was still working in retail. Okay. And then sort of once a week, or maybe once every two weeks, I go to the college. And you had to go there? You had to go there. Yeah, yeah, you can do it from, I think now you can do it from home. You can do it with like a single trainer if you want to. Yeah. But at the time, you kind of just went there, really. You went to a centre. Yeah, it's kind of, that's what most people did. 
maybe, maybe there was other methods, but I think that's what most people kind of did. They just went to the college um, and they trained you, first of all, in like an advanced theory test. So you had to redo your theory, but to a much more advanced level. Yeah. So they gave you these big books you had to learn. Um, and then you went for, a, for, for the theory test um, and passed that. And then the next part of it was to do like an advanced driving test to sort of push your skills a bit higher. Yeah. Um, with the idea that you'd then teach in the way that you're driving. If you're driving to such a high level, you'd teach that way. Okay. Um, so then that was kind of some classroom based, but some in-car training as well. Yeah. So a couple of us would go out at a time with a with a trainer and they just kind of hone our methods a little bit and polish us up. Yeah. Um, and then took a test for that, which is all based in Leicester. Wow. Passed that first time, thank God. <laughs> and... Um, and then the last test was an instructional test where you have to have a role play oh, right. with someone pretending yeah. to be a student, basically. Yes. So they give you different scenarios. They sort of tell you that they're 17 years old and they've got this background and they want to learn this today. Um, so you'd done the theory of instructing prior to this? Not really, no, because the theory test was just a normal theory test, but yeah. more advanced. Um, and then there was a, like I said, a driving test, but this part of it was kind of instructional based, but they did some classroom with this. So this is kind of the theory. Yes, that's bit. what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So okay. They kind of did a bit of theory alongside this. And then you do sort of in-car when they do role playing with you as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that, that kind of takes as long as it takes. You can take as long as you want to on that bit. You can have okay. months of training or they can advise you when you're ready. Um, and then when they think you're ready, you put in for that test for that one. Right. So then, it's really like, all of this is really like the normal driving test procedure yeah, then. Yeah, it's kind of just a much longer winded version yeah. of it and much more kind of advanced and in depth really. Yeah. Um, and that test was horrible. Was <laughs> it was it? so, no it was, it, I passed it all fine, but it was just so nerve wracking just having like a 50 year old man playing oh. a 17 year old student and giving you attitude and things like that and trying to put you off and yeah, it's quite funny. Um, but yeah, so, but I passed them all first time, which was, which was great. Just meant I could kind of go through things very quickly. Yeah. And then after that I was qualified and they give you a little, like a green badge license and you're free to go. And then, so from that point, mm -hmm. how long was it before you actually sort of started? And it was about a month really. So I, um, I mean, well, during the training, they give you sort of like lesson plans and sort of how you should be sort of structuring your lessons and things like that. Yeah. So I had this whole kind of booklet of this is what I'm going to be teaching. This is how I should do it. This is how I should plan it all. Yeah. Um, and I signed up with Red Driving School because they were linked to the Instructor College. Okay, yeah. So that was a national driving school straight away. Yes, I've seen them, yeah. Yeah, so it's still around now. Yeah. And um, I was with them for about five years, actually. And um, I started to, they basically sort of set you up. They have the big call centre and they give you loads of their kind of marketing and things like that. So they're almost referring people to They you. are, but you also have to kind of do, also do some work yourself. Like I had to go around all the schools. I went around all the schools and get my cards out and get my yeah. pamphlets out. And a lot of the teachers put my things, my, my um, leaflets up on boards and things which is yeah, great yeah so I got quite a lot of work through that and then I'd even do things like I'd park my car like near the colleges so yeah, as they came yes. out they'd see me and things like that and I'd just keep like circling <laughs> thinking well they'll see my car and they'll be like oh she's a driving instructor yes yeah yeah and social media wasn't really such a big thing then so I didn't know I didn't really have Facebook or anything so I couldn't use that so did you advertise like in the local um, papers? No, I didn't really. No, I didn't. I sort of thought if I need to, I will. Yeah. Um, but the work started sort of trickling in and it was a couple of weeks of being a little slow. And I thought, oh, you know, God, have I done the right thing? Yeah, yeah. Um, but then it started like word of mouth and I started to kind of fill the diary up. And I think from probably about a month in, I had a full diary. Wow. And it's never really subsided. Gosh. which is really good well yeah. i mean one of the reasons i, I particularly wanted to, to to interview you because obviously this is i feel like it's a topic that's in the news a lot at the oh, moment, moment. Mm -hmm. either with um the, just obviously the backlog in tests the waiting mm -hmm. time for tests 
um, and it's really causing a lot of problems, isn't it, for young people in particular? It's huge. It's huge. And I can't see it getting any better for quite the foreseeable, to be honest. So this is the backlog, really, from COVID then, isn't it? There's always been a waiting list for driving tests. I mean, yeah. I think when I took mine, it was probably about a month and a half or something yeah, like that. Yeah, mine was, but that's not that long. No, that. it wasn't that long. I was yeah. fine with that. And then I think since I've been doing this job, it's been about three months, right. that kind of area. Um, maybe you could get lucky and get something a bit quicker than that occasionally. You could, I think if you failed, you could normally get a cancellation reasonably quickly. That wasn't too bad. Okay. But then COVID obviously struck and yeah. for nearly a year, we didn't work and examiners didn't work. Yeah. So... All those people who were due to have their tests during that time obviously couldn't take them. Um, and all the people who were turning 17 during that time obviously then wanted to start, but all the instructors were full with the instruct with the people they still had. Yes. Um, and all the tests then had to be um, reissued as well. And there was quite a problem with working out how they were going to do that. Like, did they prioritise people who'd had their tests initially at the start of the period and sort of work their way through? And it, took, it seemed to take quite a long time for them to work out a structure of how they were going to do it. Was it men trying to figure it out, do we think? <laughs> I don't want to say anything, but you never know. You sometimes put a group of women in there and then have figured yeah, it out. And I think they? just talking between me and other instructors, you're sort of like, well, surely if, if this does happen, this could, it would work. Then you do that and then you do that. Yeah, yeah. and it's like, is it this hard? But yeah. It, it took a long time. And um, I think for about, I was working for about a month after we were allowed to restart. And we still had no idea when the tests were going to restart. Right. So I had people who were just in limbo, yeah. obviously paying for lessons. And we were a bit yes. sort of like, well, when, when's this test going to happen? Um, but on the other side of the coin, I think they were worried about having the test too quickly because they've had almost a year off lessons. Yeah. So there was that side of it. And when you went back as well, I'm guessing we used to in masks oh, and yeah. everything. What were the rules about how you... Because I guess they'd... So are we now talking 2021, are we? Or... It was towards the end of 2020 we were allowed... Back. I'm trying to think of the timings now because it was on off on off wasn't yeah, it yeah no, we did we did go back in between so and then it was there was another lockdown wasn't there it's, it's sort of March to was it March to July and I think we went back for a few months from July to like we November did. time yeah and then we were off again I think all in all it was a good kind of 10 months 11 months we were off for yeah so we did go back but it was yeah masks it was cleaning constantly like I was anti-backing the car every five minutes okay We've tracked ahead a little bit, but mm -hmm. I always like to track back first to go to say, Laura's school, college, mm -hmm. what were you like? What were you into? I was um, a bit of a square, a bit of a nerd. <laughs> but hence liking teaching. Yeah. And you liked yeah. school, did you? I did like school, yeah. I think I didn't so much like the initial part of primary school. I remember my mum had to like drag me through the door and sort of, I didn't want to leave. Didn't oh. want to go. Um, but I think after I, as I got towards the end of primary school into secondary school, I, I enjoyed it. I liked it. And I was always sort of, you know, I never really had to day off. I was always very present at school. Um, probably a bit of a worrier. I think I always wanted to kind of make sure I achieved all the time. Right. Um, wanted to make sure I got the good grades. I'd always do my homework on time. Yeah. Always get everything handed in on time, revised within an inch of my life, you know. Oh. I was a bit... <laughs> we used to get called squares at school. I remember that. Me and my group of friends were always like, oh, the squares. <laughs> in a nice but, way. No, yeah. the grades probably, so. Yeah, I think we did. I think we did. And I think, you know, we were always, you know, I had some good friends at school and we all had like hobbies and out, out, you know, out school interests, but we were very studious. And then college, what did you do at college? So I think towards GCSE time, I started to realise that I loved history. That was my ah. subject. I had a really good teacher um, and that kind of just stuck with me and I became quite fascinated by that subject. Um, and also I think, you know, if, you, if you're quite good at something, you quite like it, don't you? And that was kind of my subject I was really good at. So I stuck with that. And I did um, English, psychology, history at A-level. 
Wow, with a view to... Well, that was it, really. I, I kind of had teaching slightly in the back of my mind, yeah. but I think I wasn't quite sure kind of where I was going to go in with the teaching. Like, was I going to go secondary school, maybe yes. history teaching? Yeah. Was I maybe going to go primary? I wasn't quite sure. I wanted to do history at do that, so I thought I wanted to do history at degree level, but I wasn't quite sure where it would lead me, really. So degree... Was it purely teaching or did you focus, so teaching with a focus on history? Or? No, it was a purely history degree. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it was a three history degree at Leicester. Wow. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to do history and I wanted to kind of just explore that really. Yeah. And I knew I could do PGC afterwards, so yes, I thought I don't necessarily yeah. need to tie myself to teaching straight away. Yeah. Um, because like I said, I wasn't quite sure where I was going to go with it. Yeah. So she I could just have gone on to, to, to have a sort of, I guess, historian type career, could yeah, you? Yeah, I could have been like a researcher yeah. or yeah, anything really. I mean, I loved writing. Like That's why history really got me. I love writing the essays. Oh. And that's why I liked English as well, you see. So or maybe I could have done something like that. I don't know, like editing, writing, something like that. And then qualified, as we've said, mm -hmm. sort of decided it probably wasn't quite for you. No, exactly. And at what this point then, how come you didn't then go back down the... History, you know, like you say, the historian route, or I think because I didn't really know where that could take me. And I, I think know. I, I was going to say. Yeah, I think I still sort of hung on to the teaching because, and I, I think when I saw the instructor post advertised, I just thought, well, actually, this would suit me. I, yeah, having now described yourself, mm -hmm. I can totally see that. It's mm -hmm. so. How many, on average, how many people do you teach? Like, let's say a month. Um, I mean, I suppose on my books on a on a sort of weekly basis, I'd have about twenty five to thirty people. God, I was going to ask that. So mm -hmm. you've got to remember where twenty five to thirty different people are. So you have to write a lot of notes, do you? This is where, yeah, this is where my kind I was going to say this is where all these questions. <laughs> my, uh, thought. my nerdiness comes in because I I just write notes and yeah. notes and notes. Yeah, absolutely. So every night I come in, I sit with my pad of paper and yeah. I've got files for each one of them, and I write notes on each one of them, um, and I'll write sort of what we've covered in terms of routes and things as well. Um, make notes of like their learning styles and things like that because people learn obviously visually sometimes okay. sometimes they learn more like kinesthetically so they have to be shown something um, but you don't have to do that though do you no. there'll be driving shooters out there that are just yeah being I, a bit more maybe yeah I mean fluid with it I, I, the thing with this job is you don't know do you because obviously you work on your own so you yeah. don't really know necessarily how other people work um, but I think for me, this is how I have to work because it wouldn't work. I feel like I was turning up to a lesson being so, um, so what have we done? Yeah. yeah. But the level of detail, I mean, obviously the test standard has changed hugely as well. Yeah. What they expect of them, the level they expect them to be at, the syllabus has changed hugely. So it's almost unrecognisable to what it was like when I passed my test. I know. Because surely it's a really stable career, isn't it? People well, are always going to want to get... I think, yes, I do slightly worry about things like self-driving cars coming in. Right, okay. And technology taking over slightly because obviously technology is going to take over a lot of industries. Yeah. And there's already this technology that's in its early stages, but it's in place. It's starting yeah. to become in place. Um, and depending on how the government decides to work with this in terms of insurance and things, I don't know if I was to do the job for like another 20 years, for example, am I still going to have a place for 20 years or is, are the cars going to take over? Could you go on to be an examiner then? I guess I'm just kind of thinking about is the backlog almost the amount of examiners as well yes it is and is that because examiners have gone on uh, since covid have gone and done something else or they've just got old and died <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> they all just died. They all just died. No, don't you say that in COVID. I don't mean that. I don't mean that. But it um, just COVID for some reason weirdly affected driving test exams. I think they did get a few retired during COVID. Because right, I think okay. I think also this happened to instructors as well that people retired and they just thought I don't really want to have to deal with this. You know, this whole situation. Well, come close back. proximity. Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe that, just the health that, aspect yeah. of it as well. Um, so I think we did lose a few instructors and a few examiners, but. I think before they could kind of cope on lesser examiners because this wasn't this huge demand. And now there's this huge, huge demand and obviously this massive backlog. And they have been trying to recruit examiners. Okay. Um, they've done a few recruitment drives um, because they, they send me the, the emails and things. Um, but I just don't think they've quite got the uptake that they wanted. I know they tried to increase some of the hours as well to try and make them work longer hours. And then there were strikes because yeah. the examiners didn't want to increase their hours, which I, th- I suppose is fair enough to some degree because they signed up for a job that they thought was going to be this time, this time, I finish this time, I can go home. Yeah. And now suddenly we want you to work an extra two or three hours. And are they, because I'm guessing you've got to do other courses to be an examiner. Yes, you do. I mean, God, so they're potentially, would have they been subsidising those or even, because what if, you know, if they offered that to you for free, for example, well, it's, it's to get you to do it, it could be a... It's, I mean, the government runs the, it's a DVSA, so it's run by the government. Yeah. So they do recruit, but it's, it's more of a case of they'll advertise a job. Um, and you can go and apply for the job. Um, you then have to go through like a selection process, first of all. So you do like, as far as I know, it's like a more advanced, like has a perception based test. If you don't even get through that, you won't even get through to the next stage. Right. Um, and then I think it's more of an interview based. And then I think it's some um, role playing. Um, then you go to what they call Cardington, which is a place where you go and have like a top level driving test, which is like the highest standard in the country to get you to the top sort of driving standard you can be at. Right. And then I think you start shadowing examiners. So you start going around with examiners that are currently working and they train you and then you have a number of assessments during that time. It's quite a long-winded process. Yeah. Yeah, I think examiners... I can see why there obviously has to be a level of training. Um, but I think a lot of people were saying that the packages weren't good enough. They were, they were advertising that the wage wasn't good enough. Um, they were still only offering temporary roles as well. They weren't offering full-time, you know, like this is, this is you forever. This is you for two years. Right. So I think people weren't keen on signing up for something for two years and then going, then what happens to me? And do you, could you do this and be an examiner? No, you have to do one or the other. You have to give a badge do up. You? Yeah, so I'd have to give my badge up, which then means if I wanted to come back to this, I'd have to redo all my testing and training Stop again. It, no. So that's a bit of a risk. Surely there's a window that it's all still valid for. I mean, it'd be nice if, if they would literally just sort of be like, you've been an instructor for this period of time, you've proven yourself. Yeah. You know, yes, we can do some training with you, but then you can come on board and be an examiner. Yes. And I think probably a lot of people would do it. What do you think it is about you in particular that makes you good at this? So we've already talked about the fact that you're quite clearly studious, mm. diligent... Um, attention to detail, I'm going to say, is quite clearly a big thing for you. Is there anything else that make you... Oh, obviously, I'm going to tell you and say, you've quite clearly got a lot of patience. <laughs> Do you know what? I haven't in the rest of my life. Oh. I use it all up in my is job. Is your husband going to go, yeah, she's yeah, going to will. <laughs> demon. <laughs> um, it's funny because then my friends and family will say, I don't know how you do your job because you're not a very patient person. And I was like, in right. my job, I am. I, yeah. can, I can sit there and I can be as patient as I can. And I can, you know, I can go through something a hundred times. But um, then I come home, I think I've used it all up. That's it. <laughs> um, but I think it's, I remember when I was going to drive, I was very nervous of learning to drive. Like I'd pace around the house for every single lesson and feel sick and everything. Yeah. I love, love the actual driving, but I would get myself in such a state before I went out in the car. And I always remember that. And I think 
sometimes I think as an instructor, you could easily be like, oh, come on, get over it, get on with it. You know, it's not such a big deal. Yeah. But I think because I still remember that feeling, I kind of hope I can make my students feel better if they do feel nervous. I can kind of, yeah. I can kind of um, empathise with it. And I can hopefully find ways of getting them through the nerves and the anxiety. Client-centered learning, where you sort of get them to to lead the lesson a little bit, and sort of, you know, what do you feel like you want to concentrate on today, and how can we help you to do this, and what level of responsibility do you want, and how can we manage it together? Um, so it's much more like the student working with me rather than me saying we're doing this today, and then we're doing this, and then we're doing this. Yeah. And so sometimes if they say, they can be quite honest and say, look, last week, last week I really struggled with this, and I felt really nervous about it ever since, and I've been going over it in my head. So can we please do that again? It's much more open to that now. Yeah, okay. Um, and if there is something else going on and they can't feel like they can concentrate on what they want to do, sometimes you can say, you know, is there any reason why this is happening? And then suddenly they'll say, I've had a really bad day at school and, yeah. you know, and I've had falling out with my teacher or something. And just getting off their chest and suddenly you can gonna, they can see it's gone and they're driving well. Gosh, wow. So I think, yeah, just being able to empathise with them a little bit and relate to them there. Yeah. And not sort of rushing them to get through the subject as quickly as possible because yeah. I need to get this done and we need to move on to something else. I think that that's it helped definitely me. Help. Well, and it will definitely yeah. help the students, won't yeah. it? Yeah. Wow. Okay, flip side of that then is, do you think you have any sort of personal challenges which make your job tricky, things that you bring that make it... I think what I've said all along, really, the fact that I'm such a worrier and I'm an overthinker, I think that um, I probably worry about their tests and their lessons more than they ever do. <laughs> you know, I'm more nervous than they are. I'll keep it in. I won't show them that I'm nervous. Yeah. But I'm like, you know, when I book a test, I'm like, oh, God, are they going to be ready for that? You know, have I got enough time? I'm going to make sure they covered everything they can cover. Um, and then when I get nearer to test, you know, like, have I put everything into this? I've showed them every route possible. And I think, you know, sometimes I'll stay awake thinking about, various things that I've done during the day and what I've got to do the next day and how I've got to get someone to the standard and are they going to get there and I think especially because tests aren't so available. Well I was just going to say, yeah, I don't want so to... someone could wait ages for a test now, that's like take a gold dust isn't yeah, it? Exactly. So... And the worst thing to say is like, you know, a few weeks before I don't think you're ready for a test. <gasps> and oh, then... Have you had to do that recently? Yeah, I have. <laughs> I mean, you sort of touched earlier that you don't really know too much about what other instructors do. Mm -hmm. Does that mean... I guess that's because it's quite a solitary job, isn't it? So do you interact? Are there like yeah, we do meetups and there used to be a few more meetups. Christmas parties. There used to be that. Yeah, we used to have a little sort of um, local society where you'd meet up occasionally, like once a month for like a little meeting yeah. and a drink, and then probably like a little Christmassy do. And that's slightly sort of um, disbanded a little bit. I think people you know, got busy and the COVID again got in the way and then people didn't really come back to it. We've got like a WhatsApp group and that's good. And okay. so if there's, if there's something we need to know about or someone's just having a bit of a bad day yeah. and they need to vent a little bit. And it's so nice when they do that because you're like, yeah, I feel like that. Do you know what? My daughter, again, unprompted, asked me yesterday, not knowing that I was doing this, she mm -hmm. said, do you have to, uh, do, you have to do a, a lesson in the dark? you have to learn to drive in the dark and i said i said i didn't mm -hmm. no they recommend it and yeah. you know if someone requests it and it's not their normal hours i'll try and see if i can accommodate it but some of my students have all their lessons in the dark because just like they start to learn to drive in winter they're driving at four o'clock every lesson's in the dark every lesson <laughs> when they're very good at it and it's suddenly they're like oh it's daylight. <laughs> the light. exactly and again is it so what's mandatory with city driving then again there isn't really i mean you don't have to go and do a city drive 
Um, so if you're going to do this area, I, I tend to take them to cities and they can do a pass plus course if they want to as well. Okay. So after they pass the test, they can go and do like an extra training where they can do motorways, city-based driving. Oh, motorways as well, yeah. They can do motorways as part of being a learner now as well. They're a learning syllabus. Okay. Um, Again, they don't have to, but if if they want to do it, we offer it, and they can go up onto like you know the M1, for example, and if they want to, and if we can do it, then I'm happily happily take them over there and do some big roundabouts, etc. Oh my God, don't get me started on roundabouts. <laughs> um, the other one, slip roads. Yes, that drives me mad. The the fact that people, you're there, you're behind someone, and they're just like breaking, breaking. You go, no, the whole point of a slip road is for to get you up no, to speed for the motorway. Yeah. Just yeah. accelerate. Honestly, I, 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 it's funny, isn't it? The amount of um, if you've really seen the amount of comments I get on this kind of thing because <laughs> the, those things and and I guess my third thing: so roundabouts, slip roads, mm-hmm. and then old people. Mm-hmm. Old people are just that either just really aren't aware, and I do think that old people should have to take another test because I think if you are and don't get me wrong, a lot of the time they're very cautious, which mm-hmm. can be very irritating if you're in a yeah. bit of a rush or something. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of think if you're that worried driving, you, you shouldn't be driving. You know, you shouldn't be on the road because if you're that scared, yes. Um, but yeah, I think I don't know what you think about sort of driving tests for old be, people. I think there should be a retest probably every five to ten years. I don't necessarily not even a test as such. I think test scares people. Maybe like a reassessment. What has been the best part of this driving career, driving instructor career for you so far? Um, I think the pride in running my own business. I think just building something up from scratch. Yeah. Um, keeping busy all the time, not really having to sort of fight for the work. Um building a good, good reputation I suppose really you know it's nice to see when people say nice things and you know it's kind of kept that way touch wood yeah <laughs> um but yeah I think just yeah just a bit of pride in myself for just for doing it from scratch and keeping going and even when it's been hard still keeping going yeah well and particularly after Covid coming yeah. back and keeping yeah, going yeah exactly yes yeah. so I think because sometimes I think I again because I'm not a hugely confident person I think that I've almost kind of surprised myself that I've I've done it for so long and kept it going for so long and shouldered it for so long. So yeah, yeah that I think. And do you have to? Sorry, I keep, questions keep pinging in my head, and I feel like I'm going to keep messaging you <laughs> after this. You're going to just leave me alone. Already. <laughs> change my number. Yes, yeah, I've to change my number because it's crazy lately. Um, do you? Are so your past results are monitored? Are they? Because they are more now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We. Um... Someone could, I'm guessing someone could have been an instructor and just never got anyone through a test and then carried on could they yeah i mean they, they do a what they call a standards check um every few years which is where an examiner basically examines us right. so they watch a lesson that we do we take a student they sit in the back and they watch a lesson for an hour normally yeah um and they grade you on that okay um so it's normally a b or fail oh wow. if you fail yeah exactly yes yeah, nothing much to it um and if you fail then you get invited back to have another test and they give you three chances and are you if you fail are you still allowed to teach while you're you are still allowed to okay. teach while you're waiting for the next test and right. then if you fail it three times they can take your license off you and you're not allowed to trade Gosh. so that's quite scary that is scary um, i think we all, probably we all be... valid yeah no we, i suppose in a way you know we don't really get any other testing so it's 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 very few and far between so as much as we get nervous for it, you know, considering some jobs get you know constantly assessed in their yeah, jobs and yeah. constantly having to go on courses and things, we don't really get that. So, you'd at least think, even at a statistical level, they'd be tracking your 
because they can see who you're teaching, can't they? Within yeah, they theory, do, they do track our pass rates. Yeah, with, and they with track practical. And if you're and if you've got a very low pass rate, do they get in touch with you? Yeah. Or? So what they do now is um, the standards checks really come if you kind of hit these three triggers really, which is normally that you've got a low general pass rate. Um, there's a certain number of oh, faults. Low. I think it's. It's less than 55%, I think, they look at. Yeah, I'm going to say, if you're not getting half of your yeah. students through. And then if you get a certain number of faults coming up on a test, and if you get a certain number of serious or dangerous faults coming up on a test, right, they start course. to trigger yeah. you and think, oh, there's something going on here, we need to keep an eye on you. Yeah, yeah. And if it keeps happening, they'll, they'll haul you in for a standards check. Right, okay. So I think that's that's been more prevalent in the last sort of few years since COVID. And yeah. it's, I think people have been quite scared of that. I mean, I've certainly been, not, not that I would worry about pass rates necessarily, but I think... You were sort of thinking, you know, am I hitting any of these triggers? Am I doing okay? Am I doing okay? Yeah. And it does it does force you, I guess, to really make sure your standard is as high as possible. Yeah. You're not well, going to take somebody. It's road control. safety, isn't yeah. it? It's, it's, you, yeah. You've got you to put these people on the roads to make sure that they're going to be okay. You, they're going to be out there with you and your family and your yeah. friends. You know, you don't want to put someone on the road who you don't trust. Very true. Um, what has been your least favourite part of this? I think, on weirdly, on the same sort of level, actually being self-employed and not having anyone to share it with. Yeah. Like not having, having anyone team. to... Yeah, like... I so, guess, in many ways, have you ever had a... Do you even know what that's like to work no, in really a business? No, I really know. I mean, yeah. retail, I did work with small teams. Yes. But, um, and I did like that, because, you know, you make friends from that and you sort of socialise with them and things like that. Obviously, you don't really get that doing this job. Um, you do meet a lot of people, obviously, because you meet these students constantly. Um, but it's a different relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Um... But I think when things go wrong in the job, like if something goes wrong with my car or like there's an issue with like a test booking or something or it's get, it gets cancelled or something or you've got to manage cancellations or payments. I think when you're just on your own and it's your name on the car all the time, obviously, yeah. there's no one to shoulder it. And you just sort of feel like, you know, I've, I've got to ring them up and I've got to sort this out and I've got to chase this. And my husband's brilliant, you know, because he'll always be like, let me help, let me see what I can do, you oh, know. Yeah. Because sometimes I'm just like, it's a bit much, yeah. you know. All the admin's down to me, all my accounts are down to me. Um, you know, it's it's quite a lot. And, you know, maintaining a car all the time and yeah. all of that, really. So I think that more recent years, I found that hard. I found it's it's been sort of more, I think, over more recent years. Yeah. I felt like I've had to get more of a balance with it. Well, and I've obviously I've now got to ask you, what's your car knowledge like? I'm not, I wouldn't say, I've never have been like hugely mechanically knowledgeable. No. I, I wouldn't say that I could be like, oh yes, I can just take an engine apart and put it back together again. That's not where I lie with my knowledge at all. I I have a, a basic understanding of, of mechanics. I've got, obviously got better and better while I've been doing the job. Yeah. And I've, if something goes wrong with a car, I can more easily determine now what's wrong with it. Yeah. Um, so it's your income, so yeah, you've got to yeah, fix it yeah. as quickly as possible. But I wouldn't be like reading like a Haynes manual or something like that and be able to determine every single thing wrong with the car. I love the fact that you think that's what you do. It's all on the now. <laughs> I know it is. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Just, just, just Google it, don't Nowadays, you? you go to the garage, just plug it in. Yeah. Uh, all the codes come up, you know. So it's not even if you were quite mechanically sound, you wouldn't be able to do a huge amount yourself anyway. What's next? Um, I think in terms of this job, as you were saying earlier, I think I'll I'll have to transition a little bit to move to technology. So I think I will probably go to auto in the next few years. Yeah. And possibly hybrid. Fully to auto, not a two dual car. I might run another one for a small amount of time, maybe a couple of months, just while people transition. Up. Yeah. Yeah, like I don't want to completely abandon all the manual pupils and be like, right, I'm off, I'm doing my automatic now, you sort yourselves out. So if I can try to do it in a sort of gentle way, yeah. then I'll probably run a manual for a couple of months alongside an auto. And then probably go fully auto. Um, and obviously I'll have to manage more technology in the car. I think what I'm worried about is because yeah. they're going to be so reliant on technology. I don't want them to get too distracted and reliant on technology. I want them to still be 
safe and aware yeah um and you know just keeping that road safety level so that that worries me a little bit that they're going to be expecting the car to do it for them so that I, you know I, i'm gonna to have to carve out a bit of a, a role in that and make sure that we're leading them in the right direction with that yeah what's the strangest thing that's ever happened to you and it doesn't even have to be one is there a reoccurring strange thing i think the one that always sticks out of my mind was i had a student who um had a, had quite a bad experience before she started lessons had mm. had a, like a quite a horrible crash with her husband like trying to learn to drive and it really quite well, so she wasn't 17 then no she'd she'd tried to learn to drive when she was sort of in the early years of marriage and her husband had tried to take her out and i think they probably tried to do too much too quickly and they'd had, she'd crashed into a tree or something and it really put her off and it taken her ages to want to get back in the car and they'd booked these lessons with me and she started having these lessons and she was doing okay but it was a kind of slow slow burner um and really lovely lady and again she would probably tell me a lot about her life and you know kind of almost you know sort of offloading on me about things which is fine because she needs to she's nervous you she's get nervous. the verbal diarrhea can't you absolutely and as it came sort of towards the point of thinking about Tess, she started saying to me, even though I can drive this car, I can't imagine myself driving a car on my own. I can't imagine myself ever really being behind the wheel of a car on my own. Oh. And um, and so I said, well, maybe don't don't think about yourself and maybe give yourself a different name or something. While you're driving the car, just give yourself a different name. You know, you can be somebody else when you're behind the wheel of a car. It's not you, it's someone else. So it's sort of, sort of tongue-in-cheek, really. Yeah. But she really took this on board. And so she gave herself a Viking name, which right. was Helga the Red. Oh, okay. <laughs> and so every time so she this got... was you did this to build her confidence yeah, up and give of... her almost like a driving persona. Yeah, because she kept saying, I can't imagine myself being behind the wheel. Yeah, so you tried to get her to imagine recently. being some... So yeah, it's like okay. someone else. When you get yeah. in the car, you're somebody a, else. A confident, strong yeah, you're confident driver. Yeah. You can drive anywhere, Brilliant. and none of this stuff's happened to you before. Yeah, and um, but she really went with it. So every single lesson, she was like, "Right, today I'm Helga the Red, and nothing's gonna bother me. I'm not gonna fear." And then when I took it to the driving test, um, they always say when they come out, sort of the examiners introduce themselves. So what would you like to be called? And she went fully with this on the driving test. I want to be called Helga the Red. And I, the examiners looked at me, and I was like, "Go with it. Just go with it." Right. <laughs> and he was like, um, "Is that your? That's not your name." And she was like, "No, that's just my driving persona." And again, and she will have really needed that person. Yeah, for the she test, did, and she? It, she, but she was doing it completely seriously. And he sort of looked at me like, "What's going on here?" I was like, "Just, just go with it. Just judge her on her driving. That's all you can judge her on." And she passed, and she passed well. Oh. And um, and at the end of it, he said, "That's the strangest experience I've had in terms of somebody giving themselves a different yeah. persona." I was like, "But if it works." And now, do you walk up all the time with persona people? <laughs> and he's just looking at you, going. Oh, it's not her again. <laughs> With your personas. No, it's, it is a one-off. It was definitely a one-off. But it's just what she needed. It's just I felt that it, she was never going to trust herself to be behind the wheel of a car. Yeah. Like, she just didn't necessarily have that confidence. And I think because well, what had happened to her before, yeah. she could never see it. And so she, she sent some messages afterwards saying, Helga the Red's gone and done this today. Helga the Red's driven to so-and-so today. Aww. And I was like, well, there you go. Sort of, you know, that little journey. Do you know what? Um, one of my next questions is, um, well, two questions is, you know, life advice to... I always say, so I'm going to skip these around now. Mm -hmm. So one is a piece of life advice to give to your younger self, but let's skip to the piece of life advice to throw out into the world. And I almost feel like that's a really good bit of life advice to almost mm -hmm. like, because sometimes we get so stuck in our own heads, don't we? Yeah, and if you can almost get out of your own head and become a different persona or something yeah. to tackle scary situations. Yeah, it's not you. That's not a bad idea then, isn't it? Because... Yeah. Uh, that's true. Yeah, you could. You'd give yourself another little name, couldn't you? And yeah. while I'm doing this, I'm this person. Yeah. And then when I come back, otherwise I, can I won't do it. Yeah. 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 And so maybe somebody, you know, somebody you sort of maybe see and you sort of admire it a little bit, and you think I could be a bit more like that. Yeah. And maybe you kind of take on like that Beyonce. Little... Yeah. <laughs> That'd be my next one. Yeah. For this one, I'm Beyonce. I'm Beyonce. Yeah. <laughs> Any advice you would give your younger self? 
I think something I've been saying recently, and I wouldn't necessarily say that I live my life by it, but I'd like to, and I think I've probably needed this when I was younger, is the whole kind of just like, let it be and go with the flow of it. I think I was massively, I still do it all the time, but hugely overthinking all the time, hugely worrying about trying to control things I couldn't control and worrying about tomorrow all the time and the future all the time. And to the point where it takes away my calm sense and of joy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, joy is the present. Yeah, exactly. My present gets ruined by the fact I'm thinking about the future all the time. And oh, is this going to happen? That. Yeah. And um, as the Beatles say, just let it be, you know, just, yeah. just go with the flow and maybe things happen for a reason, you know, and I think so when certain things have happened and I've really stressed about them, once I've calmed down, I'm like, I can't control it. It's yeah. going to happen, you know. So you're quite good afterwards in having that kind once of Once I've thought. had my meltdown. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> once I've had my kind of like, you know, my little scream into a cushion, I'm generally, afterwards, I can see the wood for the trees. Yeah. But I know that as I get older and if I want to keep doing this kind of job, I've got to be more like that. So I think to a younger person, especially in the current life, you know, with the world being the way it is. Yeah. I think, yes, work hard and yes, try your best, but don't overthink things. Don't worry think about things so much. Just go with it. Bit more, yeah. Yeah, and if it will be, will be. You know, yes, you can work hard for something, but you can't control everything. No, and so much of it is out of your control, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and I think that's it. And what about life advice then, as you now to throw out into the world? Would it be the same or...? I think it would still be that, really, yeah. I think... I think now, yeah, in the current situation, if I was a younger person growing up now, I mean, with the way the world is, you've got you've got to work hard. You've got to get yourself a good setting in life, I think, because it's hard out there. Mm. You know, I mean, everything's more expensive. You're fighting things like social media all the time. So I think work hard, get on your own two feet as quickly as you can, you know, be as independent as you can. But again, don't try to be everything. Don't try to take on the world too much because you can't. No. You know... Well, and even if you are doing it, as we've seen in the last few years, something like yeah a, a pandemic yeah. and the government can then, no matter what, will just sweep it all away from you anyway. It's it does it's really made a lot of people think, hasn't it? it doesn't matter how much you're think, yeah, focusing on your own life and you're driven in that, it can still there are forces beyond your control that can still just come and pull well, you up. There was a period, wasn't there, when it felt like everything was being thrown at us. There was COVID, and then there was something else, and then the war started. Well, and then it was the, Brexit, you know, COVID. Yeah, yeah, the war. war. Yeah, it, and it just, just felt... still is like that. Yeah, it still yeah, it's like it's stopped. constant. It's not stopped. And I think if you thought about everything like that and worried about every single thing, you would drive yourself insane. Yeah, we wouldn't so, do anything, would you? No, you wouldn't. So I think you've got to just think, I can't control. Yeah, you know, obviously you can help yourself, you can try your yeah. best, but you can't control everything. So that would be my advice to you know again that kind of holiday just let it let it go let it be a bit more. Alcohol helps with that. <laughs> That's the wine when you finish the day. Definitely helps. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. When you're legally able to. Yes, of course. Yes. Thank you very much. That's my pleasure. It's been fun. If you would like to hear more about this chat, see some behind the scenes pics and some personal profile pics, plus read about how to get started in this industry and all this role, then please go and support us on Patreon. The link is on this podcast page and across all of our socials. Sincere thanks in advance.